Hallelujah. Well, great to be back in the house of the Lord on Sunday night. We said success begins on Sunday. You've come for a double dose because the Word of God will not return void in your life. It will produce something. And even sitting there, and sometimes we just say, well, that was for somebody else. But the truth is it builds you up. And uh, it will renew your mind and, and bring breakthrough in your life. Praise God. Thank you so much for your sowing. You know, the Bible said we're to lay up treasures in heaven. And uh, what is the treasure of heaven? I believe it is people. Because God loves people so much he gave Jesus. And that's what he treasures. So when you did what you did tonight, it is about laying up treasure in heaven. People are God's treasure. Praise the Lord. Well, out in the foyer, I brought a couple of sermons up here tonight. Uh, we have a sermon, Highway to the Hog Pen, a great soul-winning message. If you had friends that weren't saved, I'd just slip it in their car, you know, and make them listen to it, put it on their iPod or something. But uh, lots of people been saved listening to that. Uh, season of Miracles out there. If you need a miracle in your life, some of you just need to not just have a day of miracles. You just need to have a season. And uh, I think it'd be awesome. That's $6. Then, uh, again, the T-shirts. I see a few people wearing them in here tonight. And uh, uh, they're uh, just say go on the front. I believe we ought to go all over the world with the gospel. And then the scripture on the back. But those are available out there for $20. Anybody wants to be a partner with us, fill out one of the forms. Turn it back in. We have a little gift for you. But thank God for this church partnering with us around the world uh, even in just a few weeks, the seed you sow going to be immediately, things are going to begin happening because even before the week's up, there's going to be money sent to Haiti, getting ready for what we're doing, getting ready, preparing for what happens. How many understand I can preach for free, but the gospel to get it there, it costs, and to rent a stadium costs, to feed children costs, to drill wells, even though we have our own well drilling machine, we're still paying for the equipment and the uh, uh, fuel and the, the pipes and all the pumps and the things I don't really understand anything about. People come up to me and say, man, how do you drill those wells? I said, I don't know. I've got a missionary that does it. And, uh, I, and uh, if he doesn't do it, we have some Haitians that we pay them to do it, depending on uh, our missionaries in the States right now, raising a little bit of money. So we're using just all the Haitian crew, and I even understand what they do less. Amen. Praise the Lord. Going to be great tonight. I'm expecting the Lord to do something awesome in our life. And uh, I want us to stand, if you will. Pastor, again, thank you for letting me be here. I love hanging out with you. We've had a lot of good times. I, I don't know, years ago, I don't know if you know, Pastor and I went to Pakistan together. And I think we were gone 21 days. And a lot of those 21 days, we were in a place where the only time we got to leave the hotel was to go to the crusade. Because Pakistan's very dangerous. And uh, I think one night he preached, he had like 7,000 people saved in one night. I told him he was going to see a bunch of stuff happen. But uh, my wife, we got back from that trip, and she said, how was the trip? I said, I'm never going to preach for Mike again. You know, he only has me in for a few days because that's all he can stand, my opinionated self. But uh, we we became better friends, you know. Sometimes, you know, we had a we don't always agree on everything.
but we had a good time. And uh, we had fun, and there's a lot of good stories we still uh, can talk about. But I want everybody to look to Acts chapter 2 while you're standing. Some of you may wonder why we didn't go there this morning. I said, well, because we didn't have to. Right? Some of you wonder what I'm talking about. Today is Pentecost Sunday, whatever that means. That means in most churches across America, you have one sermon a year they preach on the Holy Spirit. But uh, in a place like this, we believe the Holy Spirit helps us all year long. So he gets thrown in uh, more than once a year. But probably about somewhere in every sermon, we talk about how great the Holy Spirit is in our life. But what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Bible says in Acts 2, 1 through 4, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending us another comforter. Thank you for sending us that which gives us an advantage. And I pray tonight that that faith would rise in every heart. Lord, you said that we receive the Spirit by faith. Lord, that even as the preaching goes forth, fill our hearts and, and let there be an expectancy. Let there be a breakthrough tonight. We're asking that you do things so great and mighty tonight uh, that no man receives glory, that no man receives credit, but that only you, Jesus, would be lifted up. And I'm asking that uh, by the Spirit, people would be drawn to Jesus, be glorified, be magnified, be testified of in this place, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated, all right? What happened on the day of Pentecost, I find that the Bible says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And I believe that uh, the day came right on time. How many know what I'm talking about? I I think the King James says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when it had arrived. And that day was really 50 days after what we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And 50 days before this day that we read about in Acts chapter chapter 2, Jesus had met with the disciples in the upper room and he breathed on them and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And I believe uh, uh, something happened on that day. Fifty days later, there was a sight and there was a sound. And the sight uh, that they saw was divided tongues and a sound from heaven. And you may say, well, what does this have to do with me? I believe that these uh, disciples were told in Acts chapter 1, that they were ordered uh, them not to depart from Jerusalem but be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized you with water, Jesus said, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not many days. That was 50 days uh, that uh, after Jesus uh, had uh, resurrected, after what we call Easter, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe uh, now he's saying you'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come come upon you and you shall be a witness. Now, I know that I hear people say,
say a lot. Some say, well, if he wants me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he would just automatically fill me. Now, I think we need to run that out a little bit because nobody says that about salvation. It is God's will that everybody be uh, saved, and we know that there are people probably even today that came into this service that are not saved, that walked out not saved, but we still believe it was God's will to save them. And if I say tonight it's God's will to fill you with the Holy Spirit, some people start getting a little bothered about that. But in Ephesians 5.18, it talks about being not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul said uh, as a commandment that we're to be filled with the Spirit. But if he's saying only some can be filled and others cannot, then Jesus uh, or God would be a respecter of persons or somebody that uh, favors somebody more than he favors somebody else. But how many know God respects one thing? He respects faith. Amen? There are two things tonight which nobody else can do in your place. Number one is have faith. And number two, hunger for God. So nobody can have faith for you and hunger for God uh, in your place. Faith in God is really about obeying Him. And uh, here are these people that were in the upper room. They did just that. They were obedient uh, and they did what He asked and the result was phenomenal. We see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happen that day and even 3,000 were saved because of that outpouring in their life. Evangelist Charles Finney, who's been gone a long, long time, once described revival as the people of God renewing their obedience to God. So faith is really about obedience to God. And when we come together, if we will be obedient, we'll see things begin to happen. The Bible even says that those that are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Now that ought to be an infomercial late at night. Usually late at night, you take my pill, you'll eat the good of the land. You know, you'll, you'll look good, you'll smell good, you'll work better, you do all these things. But the Bible gives us the key. It's about being willing and obedient. We will eat the good of the land. And I believe to be hungry is to be filled with God. And how many know when you're really hungry, you'll do uh, a lot of stuff? There's not too much you won't do when you're hungry. Some of you will drive for miles to eat at your favorite restaurant because you're hungry. And uh, you'll interrupt other activities when you're hungry in the natural. You'll get up out of bed to go make you a sandwich in the middle of the night if you're hungry. But where are the people that are driven with hunger for God? Hunger implies that you have a desire. And I think tonight because you are here in the house of God on a Sunday night it implies that you have a desire for God. But I will say you are as close to God as you want to be. It is really up to you how close you can get to God. I tell you tonight, you need to use your faith and your hunger for God as the catalyst that will birth revival in your own heart. If you will be obedient and hungry, something will happen. How many understand? He said if you're thirsty and hungry, He'll fill you. Now tonight, there are only two prerequisites to receiving your own personal Pentecost. 
If these disciples that hung out with Jesus on a regular basis for three and a half years needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need my own personal Pentecost? And uh, so what are the prerequisites to having your own personal Pentecost? Number one is to be saved and be spiritually hungry. To be saved, number two, spiritually hungry. But you can definitely make it to heaven without the power of Pentecost, but you will never reach your full potential. Now, what am I saying? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say it again like this, is an absolute requirement for the overcoming Christian life. And I believe Pentecost, people ask all the time, what is Pentecost? I believe it's a hunger for more of God. That's really what I'm saying. The hunger for more of God. And the result is what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts 2-4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled. Everybody say all filled. And I might also say they were completely filled. Not only were they all filled, but they were completely completely filled. And, and uh, you find something that Jesus said. He told the disciples uh, uh, when he was speaking to them, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then he goes on, thus spake he of the Spirit that those that believe should receive. So tonight, if you are a believer, then it is really, uh, he's saying to you, you should receive this personal Pentecost, believers should receive. Now, in this day that we live, we hear people talk about seducing spirits. We hear people talk about an antichrist spirit. I've heard people talk about the spirit of Jezebel. I've heard people talk about the spirit of the age. I've heard people talk about the spirit of the devil. But listen, the most powerful spirit in the world today is the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you think you got up against you, but I'm going to tell you, we have the the Holy Spirit. I don't know what kind of conspiracy theory you think everything is against me. I'm going to tell you, we have the power of the Holy Ghost in us, and I believe we are destined for great things because we have great things in us. I said it this morning, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If the Holy Ghost is in you, you are destined for great things, and all these spirits that people say are coming against you, we are full of something that is greater than any spirit in this world it is the Holy Spirit and when we receive him we receive power it is a dynamite power it is an explosive power a miraculous power and I believe tonight he is here in this place now Sometimes I think uh, the American church, I think sometimes we think we've arrived. We look around and we pat ourselves on the back that we got it all together. And I I think uh, a lot of times I've got a few chances to preach at Bible schools around this country and I get to preach to some young people and I enjoy that a lot and sometimes when I think that they think that everything's right, I don't think everything's right. I don't think everything's wrong either. I think this is the greatest day ever to serve the Lord. These are great days. But I'm going to tell you something. When people start talking about all the stuff they have and what's going on in their life, I think, well, we've got all that happening, but can you bind the strong man? How many understand what I'm saying? There is a strong man. And I find that uh, we think that we got everything together. I'm going to ask you this. Can we get the bound man free? There are people that need to be loose 
from the shackles of the enemy. I was in uh, New York uh, preaching at Long Island Teen Challenge, and I never realized how bound people were, how many people need God to move in their life. And in this country, we got people that are bound by habits and bound by tormenting uh, uh, thoughts and all these things going in their life. I believe we as spirit-filled people have the power to overcome these things, but we need to set the captive free. All right, let me read Acts chapter 2, verse 8. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Here they are, they were speaking in tongues, and the people that had gathered around, they said, we hear each of us in his own native language. And it goes on and gives a list like Egypt and Libya and Cappadocia, Mesopotamia, Judea and others. Those are the ones I can read. The other couple I have a little problem with, so I didn't read them all. I learned a long time ago, if you can't pronounce something, just don't say it. But it says we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what does this mean? They heard them speak with tongues, and they heard them in their own native language. Now that's quite interesting to me. Two Sundays ago, I was preaching in Indiana, and before service, we met, and uh, they had two services like you have, and their building's about the same size as this one, and we met across the front, and we made a big circle after we'd prayed for maybe 30 minutes with a lot of the leaders in the church, and we were holding hands, praying, and, and uh, the pastor was praying in tongues. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm like Paul. I, th- I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. I, I want to speak in tongues all the time. I don't know if it bothers anybody, but I'm not talking to you anyway. When I speak in tongues, I talk to God. So it wasn't bothering me when he was praying in tongues. And after I was over there talking to him about the order of the service a little bit, and uh, a lady and her son came up to the pastor, and they said, Pastor, We heard you speaking in tongues. Now, you got to understand who these people were. They used to be missionaries to Africa. And they said when the pastor was speaking in tongues, they said he was speaking in Swahili. Now, they recognized it because they they had spoke that language when they were missionaries, and they said he kept saying over and over two words while he was speaking in tongues, blessing and offering. Now, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you something. That day, the church had a great offering. I don't know what it had to do with anything, but I'm going to tell you, I believe there was something about uh, him praying in tongues. Now, you say, well, when I speak in tongues, am I speaking another language? I will tell you this. Speaking in tongues is speaking in a language never learned that may be an existing known language on earth or a language unknown on the earth. So he didn't have to have a language. The pastor never, uh, he's not even ever been to Africa, let alone know Swahili uh, more than I can speak English hardly. But the truth is, 
Some people get hung up on this a little bit, but it is always going to be, when you speak in tongues, a a language unknown to you. Are you with me right now? But speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit's inspired way of speaking, praying, or praising God. So when I speak in tongues, it's a Spirit-inspired way of praying, praising, or speaking to God. How many think that's a good blessing? Now, I hear a lot of people want to argue today about speaking in tongues. Is it the initial evidence that one has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And, and uh, I might say that we don't really talk like that, the initial evidence, but we might say that it is the first outward sign, that's what we believe, that you will have when you are filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean it's the only sign, but it means it's the first, not the only Now, but what is it? You know, some people say, well, I don't believe that tongues is the initial evidence. One has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, is it uh, uh, witnessing? If so, then we're not spirit-filled because nobody's witnessing. Is it love? Well, then some of you might be spirit-filled. But a few grumps have some issues. Is it generosity? Is that the sign that you're filled with the Spirit? Oprah, she's generous. Is she Spirit-filled? How about boldness? Is that the sign that you're filled with the Spirit? Donald Trump's bold. Is he Spirit-filled? Other politicians are wrong. Does that make them spirit-filled? I'm just joking around. They're all wrong. I thought I'd give some amens on that. Don't get mad at me. I'm just messing around. But we have all these things. But he gave the sign that day they were speaking in tongues. Maybe we might think preaching repentance is a sign that you're filled with the Spirit of God. If that be the case, then nobody's, because nobody's preaching repentance anymore. But listen, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, He magnifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. So it would be correct to say that a Spirit-filled person will do the same. So if you're spirit-filled, you will testify of Jesus, you will magnify Jesus, and uh, when God gets in a person, how many believe he comes out of that person? What does the Holy Spirit do in my life? He brags on Jesus. He testifies. He, he, uh, he lets Jesus be big in our life. If everybody knows you as a complainer, then you're probably not full of the Spirit. If ever, because what it should do is make a big Jesus. People ought to see Jesus when they see a Spirit-filled believer. Then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. King James says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Or we might say it this way, when the Holy Spirit shows up, He is profitable to us all. How many believe that? We're, but if we say the manifestation 
of the Spirit is given that we might profit, how many would say that the opposite is true? Where there is no manifestation of the Spirit, it would be unprofitable. I was preaching in Guatemala. I was preaching in Patan. And uh, I've been in that city many times. Uh, uh, There's a radio station there, Maranatha, that uh, I've done their celebration, their anniversary celebration many times. They, they rent the soccer stadium in town and, and uh, they do a lot of advertising so it's an easy crusade because I don't have to do as much work. And uh, we get down there and I'm with a team from New Jersey and uh, that day we had gone out and we were praying all over the land. And one of the ladies, uh, she's a very zealous lady, loves the Lord. She just said, I got a word, you know, and she began to read uh, about Moses and in the Bible it said everywhere your foot, uh, you put your foot, that land belongs to you. And she began to quote that and she said, I think we ought to walk over every step of the land and just claim it for ours. And I was like, well, I don't have a problem with that. You know, we need to be bold. Are you with me? So uh, we prayed that way and That night we had service about 7 o'clock to begin with and uh, the bus was going to leave from our hotel to go to the uh, crusade about 6.30 and and I had been ready since 5 o'clock. I'd been in my little hotel room and uh, I'd been dressed, ready to go. I'd been praying in the Spirit from 5 to 6.30. I was dressed, and I, I was just in my little hotel room, you know, uh, and I was just pacing back and forth. It was a little hotel room. Some of you catch that later. But I'm in that little hotel room praying, and at 6.30, I went down to meet with everybody, and I, I just told my interpreter, I said, look, I'm going to wait here. And I'm going to pray. I feel like I should pray longer in the Holy Spirit. That I should stay and wait and pray. I'll come by myself to the crusade. Because, you know, they're going to have at least an hour of music that I don't understand hardly any of it. And that wasn't my reason, but I just uh, knew I had about that long. And so I said, I'll get to the crusade on my own. And I'm going to just stay at the hotel and pray in the Spirit. Well, I stayed back and I prayed in the Spirit Now, we're still talking about the manifestation of the Spirit is given that we may profit by the manifestation. I just felt that I should not go to the crusade yet. When I get to the crusade, the crusade had overgrown the stadium. There were people, so uh, we couldn't even drive the car up. I had to go about two blocks away and walk through the crowd to get there. When I got there, my interpreter, he stopped me, and he looked very alarmed. He looked very like something had happened, you know, and he said, uh, I said, what seems to be your problem, you know, because I could tell he was real uptight. He said, well, something has happened, but I'll wait to tell you about it later. You know how that works out. Just kind of, you know, when your wife texts you and says, I got to tell you something, but I know you're busy, I'll tell you later. You know, that's a good way to ruin a golf game. I said, look, you're going to tell me right now. I said, I don't, I'm not preaching until you tell me. He said, well, when we got here, we have ushers all over the stadium grounds, all, all over the football field. 
And they were wearing like orange hats so we could recognize them from the pulpit. And they would be out there and there to help people and kind of just direct the crowd a little bit. And, and uh, said one of the ushers came running up to uh, the interpreter and said, there's a man over here that you need to come to. He went to the man. The man was like stuck. Just, I don't know any other word but to say stuck. He said, and the man was crying. And he's the, our interpreter, he speaks obviously good Spanish. He's talking to the man. He said, what's, your, what's, what's the problem? What do you want me to pray with you about? He said, I came with orders to kill the evangelist. He had a gun in his pocket. He said, I came with orders to kill the evangelist. He said, but I cannot move. Arrested by the Holy Ghost. They took the gun. As soon as the gun, he was able to do whatever he took off. We never saw him again. I'm here to tell you something. There's a prophet to let the Holy Spirit move in your life. There's something about to the Holy Spirit. My wife, uh, uh, you know, somebody asked her one time after that, are you afraid, you know, when, when Doug's out of the country and something like that happens? She said, if I worried about him, I'd be worried every day. She said, we got angels that keep charge over us. We got the Holy Spirit that has got our back in the things in this world. Are you hearing me? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, in Acts 2.14, what happened on the day of Pentecost? After they're filled with the Spirit, in Acts 2.14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. He stood up and began to preach, and the other eleven disciples stood up with him. Now, Pentecost is about establishing a climate. They, When they stood up, they established a climate. How many know that uh, your pastor shouldn't have to stand alone? Are you understanding me? When he preaches, we we all win when, he, when people get saved. When people walk out the door not saved, we all lose. When somebody gets healed, we all win. When somebody gets uh, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, we all win. So I think it's time that some people of faith stand uh, with the preacher when he preaches and create a climate uh, where something great will happen. Nobody should have to stand alone. They were in one accord and they stayed in one accord. And this was the precedent that was uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came because they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And then when he stood up, he did not have to stand alone. See, those of us that are spirit-filled need to create a climate. When the invitation is given, some of y'all to just begin praying real quietly under your under your breath, praying in the spirit, because there are people that are bound that need to be set free. Are you hearing me? Those of us that are spirit-filled need to establish a climate through our corporate praise and worship. We can create a climate of receptivity. We can create a climate of healing. We can create a climate of hope, a climate of salvation, a climate of blessing. And when they prayed, uh, in the Spirit, it created an atmosphere for people to be saved. 3,000 were saved that day. Now listen, if we're going to reach the world, we need the power of Pentecost. 
If we're going to reach our boss and we're going to reach our children, we need the power of Pentecost. Do you realize that when 120 people waiting in that upper room, nobody noticed them? They didn't notice them. They'd been there for 10 days. Nobody cared about them. But when they were all filled, it changed the atmosphere, the climate. Things began to happen. People noticed something began to to happen. I will tell you that uh, this church has declared this year to be the year of prayer. And when you declared that, it began to change something in the atmosphere. In the heavenly realm, things are, are beginning to move around. And as soon as you began to pray, something happened that God began to dispatch angels on your behalf. And He began to shove demons out of the way just so He could get to you. This is the climate that prayer will bring. And praying in the Spirit will bring uh, uh, something uh, that brings a freedom to you that you've never had. The early church experienced an atmosphere change on the day of Pentecost. I don't know about you, but I I know that sometimes uh, on Sunday it seems like uh, at my house when I'm there, there's a that's the day we don't fight all week long. But there's something that happens. The devil wants to fight you on Sunday. Some of you, every time you get ready to get in your car to go to church, you know, you get all looking good for church and, and your neighbors see you getting in the car and you're like, you kids get in the car before I knock you out. Wonder why. Because the devil knows that if you ever get to the house of God and the power of God begins moving, there's nothing that can stop you. Are you hearing me? I believe God is wanting to move us into a new dimension. And in these last days, there'll be an unprecedented move of God. What if everyone in this church got filled with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? What would happen to the atmosphere? How much different would our impact be on our families and community? I believe there's a lot of times that we go on notice people drive by Grace Church and we we even had somebody come in today that just felt like they should come but I'm going to tell you there's hundreds of people that drive by here every day that I believe if the atmosphere would change because we all got filled with the spirit that it would bring a revival to the community and there would be some people that notice what's happening I was in Indiana just two weeks ago and there was a man there that had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the pastor said, for over 40 years. You realize you don't have to wait 40 years to get filled? You don't have to wait 40 years. You don't have to tarry. You know, some people say, well, I, I think you ought to tarry. Well, I think that the first time they tarried, they waited until they were filled. But I'm going to tell you, since that time, you'll find that when Peter preached in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost fell a while he was preaching. There was no tarrying there. And in Acts 19, when uh, 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 there he went to those believers at Ephesus and said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something I believe uh, that you can receive this man uh, I'm thankful he received but he didn't have to wait 40 years but you know what when he got filled with the spirit it changed the atmosphere of the church it changed the atmosphere. The pastor just told me, he said, there's been great excitement and joy to the church because everybody loves that man and it brought an atmosphere change. I was preaching in Connecticut and uh, 
I did two morning services, went to lunch, and the pastor said, look, we got service tonight at, at uh, 7. He said, but at 5 o'clock, I preach at a house church. Would you like to speak? He said, they're all Iranians. All right, they're people that have fled Iran because they were not Muslim. They were under persecution, but they weren't necessarily our kind of Christian. Just thought I'd, uh, you understand what I'm saying. He said, they've been asking me to do a Bible study. He said, but it, the atmosphere's not been very good. You know, he wasn't really uh, motivating me very much to go there. He said, it's been the hardest place I've ever spoke to. He said, they just look at me. He said, so don't, here's what he said, don't expect too much to happen. That's what he said. He said, but I told them that if I could get you to come, you'd be talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, thanks. He said, we're usually only having maybe seven or eight people at somebody's house. So we get there, and there's not even anywhere to park on the street. I don't know what happened. Somebody probably lied because they came out to hear me. I don't know what the reason that the house was jammed full of people. I mean, it was middle of winter and hot in that house. They had the windows open in Connecticut. So I get in there, and pastor... He introduces me, you know, he says, you know, this is our friend. He's preaching at the church. He's going to talk to you a little bit on the Holy Spirit. A real good introduction. You know, he might as well say, of all the preachers we could have had here, this is one of them. That's usually how I get treated at churches, you know. You know I have low self-esteem, so. Some of you just don't even know, do you? So anyway, I get to, this kind of opened up the Bible. I didn't even, I thought, you know, seven or eight people, I'm just going to, you know, read Acts 1, you know, read about in Luke, if your earthly father gives you good gifts, how much more the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask, and just kind of go through that. I got over to about Acts chapter 2, and when I was speaking, these people, it just seemed like they're pulling on every word that I said. I thought the pastor punked me. Are you understanding me? Because it was so different than what he said. But I got to the verse where it said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. All of a sudden, this big boy, he's 15 years old, looked like he plays, uh, you know, like tackle on the football team. He stood up and began to speak in tongues. And that house, uh, he was praying not just quietly, but I'm talking just blaring it out. And when it did, it began to spread all through that house. The Holy Spirit filled all that house. It was almost like you could feel the foundation of the house shake uh, 
And that day we had the whole house filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There was an explosion of joy. Here's people that he said would just look at you and be all sad and mad. I'm going to tell you they were shouting, they were jumping, they were crying. They had every emotion that you'd have. And I'm going to tell you, they were, the Bible said that, that there is a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what we need, an atmosphere change. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16, we find Paul ser- or Peter's sermon, excuse me. He said, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The prophet was describing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on people regardless of their sex, their age, and socioeconomic status. Didn't matter how much money they had or how much they didn't have. Didn't matter if they were the top or the bottom or in between. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And he didn't say if you're just assemblies of God. Didn't say if you're, if you're just a Methodist, if you're Catholic. Uh, I don't know what you are. But he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Are you hearing me? Upon all flesh. I like to say it like this. I don't know if you got uh, old wrinkled up skin, if you got uh, skin skin uh, that's young and baby soft, if you got skin you pinned up behind your ear skin. I say if you got skin, you're in in the last days. He said he wants to pour out his spirit in the last days. But this outpouring of the spirit, number three, and I'm closing, is a sign of Jesus soon coming. That's it. The Bible says that God declares, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, says God. We have preachers always talking about all the things, and I've done it too. I love to preach on the coming of the Lord. And when I talk about the coming of the Lord, we can talk about as the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We know that the exceeding uh, wicked hearts and thoughts of man during that time, we can preach about that. We can talk about earthquakes. I've been in one, and I don't ever want to be in another. We can talk about the love of many waxing cold as a sign of His coming. We can talk about that Many will be offended. We live in a day where everybody's ticked off about everything. If I offend you and you put something on Facebook, I defriend you. I'm done with that stuff, folks. I'm, I'm going to preach it straight whether people like it in these last days. Are you hearing me? But the, you say, well, I, you know, you should be worried about what people think. But the Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, great peace if they have that, that love thy law and nothing shall offend you. If you love the Bible, get over it. I said it with the best smile I had. We could talk about false prophets as a sign of his coming. We can talk about lawlessness. We can talk about religious deception. We can talk about many antichrist, those who oppose Christ. 
But I'm going to tell you, I believe the greatest sign of Jesus coming is this outpouring that began the day of Pentecost. In this world, they say one out of every ten people in this world speak with tongues. I'm going to tell you, this is the day. Are you hearing me? This is the day. We say that one out of every ten people in the world are on Facebook. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit has filled just as many people that are as on Facebook. Pentecost has swept throughout the world. And the greatest outpouring of the Spirit this world has ever seen has happened in the last 70 years. But the Bible says that in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be something that happens. Jesus is coming back. It is a sign that He's coming. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord uh, uh, in the air forever will be with him. Now listen to me today. All the signs that point to his return, the greatest is the outpouring of the Spirit around this world. There's countries like Guatemala that have a so large of a population of Pentecostals. It's unbelievable. In countries like Nigeria, the Pentecostals are taking over. Are you hearing me? In places like Kenya, uh, it's happening. In China, it's happening. Around the world, are you hearing me? God is using His Spirit to bring people in because how many understand? When He talked about the coming Lord in James, it talks about the farmer waits for the harvest. And I believe the only reason that He's already not come back is He wants somebody else to get saved. And this outpouring of the Spirit in the last days is really just mercy because God wants everybody to be saved. Are you ready? That's it. Listen to me, are you ready? What if Jesus came back? I think sometimes we, we need to live our life like today could be the day. I think, see my theology that I live my life by is he could come back in any minute. So I don't make decisions based upon, well, I got 30 years to get something done. I have a 30-year plan. I think we ought to plan. But I'm going to tell you something. I also plan like he could come very soon, so I'm doing everything I can do. I'm not waiting and putting off tomorrow what I should do today. He could come at any time. I want you to stand your feet in this place. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everything we talked about, the Antichrist spirit, the wars and rumors of wars, the earthquakes, all these things are happening in an unprecedented manner. But I believe the greatest sign is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is coming soon.